apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com, email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com, or give him a call, 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345, corporate NMLS number 338923, Mac Home Mortgage, an equal housing lender, American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC, DBA, Mac Home Mortgage, Lo-Fi Direct, Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent, License Lender, Broker Number, ML 338923, Massachusetts Mortgage Lender, and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923, Rhode Island License Lender, License Number 20112810L. Call for additional details. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men. Punching in with a punch's chance, we find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand when it comes to fisticuffs. Slide a hand on the undercard, you'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave, feet a step and late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move, bob and wave. Don't lose hope against the ropes, there's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging. We bring in crosses with no worship, hooks with no verses, combinations with no locks. When you feel the flurry of curtains, from scrub scraps to fight stats, relax if you want the facts, cause the best combat podcast is throwing jabs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Throwing Jabs Combat Sports Podcast. I'm Big Jace, joined by Joe Aguirre and Jared Jones. We got a lot of fights to get to coming up, but first we got to recap last week and let's dive right in. History was made. Jessica Andrade, first ever standing arm triangle in UFC history. This is to Amanda Lemos. This was a fight that really, I mean, we talked about last week. It shouldn't have been happening. But Joe is Andrade. Just is was this just a setup for assuming Rose gets past Carla Esparza next week for Andrade to be that second leg of the Rose revenge tour? I, I hate to say this. I think Amanda Limos was a little overrated, and I think they thought because of her strength that she could hang with a with a top tier fighter, and that unfortunately for Limos was not the case. Andrade's a great fighter. I'll, I'll tell you, I think there would have been a big difference if she would have been coming off the fight against uh, Valentina Shevchenko as opposed to coming off a dominant first-round stoppage uh, against Savalo in the fight before. I, I feel like Andrade would have been a little more vulnerable going into a fight against somebody like Lemos, who I think is a good fighter. 
But I th- I think she was completely outclassed here. Yeah, levels yeah, to this game. Number ten fighter, number 20, ten fighter, a strawway moves up to flyweight after a split decision against number twelve. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, we discussed this last week. Didn't make any sense. I think we all knew who, who was going to win that. Didn't make sense to happen. It, honestly, and I hate to say this for the sake of the UFC, but it it looked a little boxing ish. Yeah, I you know, mean, he's got this person who won a little bit, and now we're going to give him this other person to just kind of feed fighters other fighters until we get to where we're trying to get. And then Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder never happens. You know, this is this yeah. this is what we're looking at is some kind of boxing stuff ish. Yeah, yeah, and and you're right about it. I I I, I see the roadmap. This was set up just for Andrade to. Have that fight back at straw weight so she can go for the title if Rose takes care of business against Esparza. I, and I, I think she will, and it will be a little revenge tour for Rose. But, I mean, that that's a fight we can talk about next week. Is but, it okay yeah, I, to be able to stand Carlos Esparza? I can't stand Carlos Esparza. <laughs> it's, like, it's not something. It's just, ah, There's just nothing exciting. She's the Tim Duncan. Of the UFC. It's just boring to watch. I get that you're fundamentally sound and you're doing things good in your top five, but oh man. <laughs> just can't stand watching her fight. Nothing against her personally. She's not on my John Jones list, but uh well, yeah. I mean oh, Rose and Carla, I mean this is this is this is uh yeah, this is this is this is fireworks versus you know sand. Yeah, but, but but Esparza has a win. Esparza beat her, but that that's a fight we'll get to next week when it happens. That that's a great pay per view. Different Rose. Very very true. Rose very has true. Much more than Carla since their first fight. Hundred percent. But uh, all right, let's move on to the ring recapping. The biggest fight last weekend. Tyson Fury KOs Dillian White in the sixth round. Joe, I mean, where does Tyson Fury not only fall compared to the all-time greats in the heavyweight division, but in all of boxing? Well, first and foremost, I did say fifth-round knockout, so feather in my cap. This guy is one of the greats, and I think the more you watch this guy fight, you know, Jared made a really good point. I don't know if it was on the show or if we were talking about it, Jared. You said, I mean, this guy in any era is, I mean, just when you look at the speed, you look at the defense, look at the power, the way he uses his body. This You could put this guy in a ring with anybody ever in boxing, and it's it would be hard to root against him. It'd be hard to say, you know, this guy's going to beat him up. Uh, you know, I'll let you kind of jump in from there. You were, t- I mean, this, what's the game plan to beat a guy like Tyson Fury? There really isn't one. Oh, yeah. Well, I, 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 I oh, what's the, uh, it's on our, uh, sp- podcasting thread there that I was saying that. Yeah. What, because everybody else, Dillian White, I want to stay away from, kind of wear him out. You give me a guy, I'm not going to win a boxing match with Dillian White. I'm 150 pounds. So don't get what I'm saying wrong, but I have a plan kind of. With everybody in history, Ali, move your head a lot. You know, there's a plan. Tyson Fury, uh, what what do you do? He's the he's the one guy 
that I've ever seen that even if I'm training a fighter, if you're training in Ali or a George Foreman, I mean, we're going to have to get some of those bigger guys in here if we're even going to have the conversation. We need a Larry Holmes, Lennox Lewis types. And what's the game plan? Out jab him if you're Lennox, he's longer. And I mean, shout out to everybody uh, um, on the show who said rounds four, five, and six. Tony called the uppercut. If you were listening to this show and taking prop bets, you cleaned house. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, and it's hard to it's hard to argue Fury as the greatest of all time. If if somebody else wants to argue another guy, and I get to argue Tyson Fury, I feel like I have the advantage. Yeah, the the only yeah, I mean, it's it's insane, and I mean, I, we talked about our beats any yeah any heavyweight and any because he is that new i mean no one's as you talk about no one's as big as him no one's as long as him no one's like he but not just heavyweight wise he's just no like you said no game plan to take him out and that's why one of the greats of boxing i mean yeah but this is also a guy that we leave off of our pound for pound list all the time not me and part of well, part of the reason is is because he's so big, you know. Yeah, I sort of almost hold that against him, and it's like pound for pound, you can't. I mean, what else can this guy do with his body, with his skills? He again, he's he's a good boxer. He's got great hands, great defense. You know, he's the full package, and he's that size, and he moves like he does. And Jared, this guy can take a punch like nobody's business. <laughs> tough to beat how how do you do that what's what's just seriously what's the game plan i'm looking at two four six eight ten graphs and it'd be nice to go ahead and share it but i'm not gonna um because it will just confuse uh most people i think um and these 10 graphs are uh long jump high jump 100 yard dash 200 400 meters a uh, bunch of different olympic events and the, the x-axis starts at 1880 and zero, of course. But 1880 is the year. And it goes all the way up to today. And in every one of these, I'm backwards for you guys. In every one of these, you see this upward trajectory where we're kind of evolving and getting better at stuff because we're human beings and nature affects us. And that's kind of how it works. Bigger, faster, stronger, smarter. We did in the flurry last week. We're evolving. You take these old heavyweights, they do different stuff. I know uh, Tony talked to me one day about something they put in the shoes that didn't used to be in the shoes. That was just a completely different thing than they had back then. So um, you kind of have to, to go by uh, like proportionally, let's say, is he the best because actually fighting those guys in their prime with this guy in their prime tyson fury wipes the floor with them we get better and better and better as we go you would not want to see what would happen against with jack dempsey in his prime we like jack dempsey you don't want to see a guy a hundred pounds and a foot taller you know taking on a guy that's fighting because he's hungry at the end of the day like, this would be a very, very sad thing to watch. You know, it's Jake Paul and Canelo. You think you want it. But by the end of the fight, you're going to go, we weren't supposed to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Tyson Fury, one of the greatest. I mean, he not only called himself the Gypsy King, he's he's boxing king right now, in my opinion. I'm and by the way, how about props to him for talking about Deontay Wilder and suggesting if he does retire, Wilder should be next up. He thinks Wilder's the second best heavyweight in the world. Again, I mean, not only is he a great is he a great fighter, he's one of like the best people in the sport. Yeah. So solid human being. Well, and I've always said uh recovering addicts have an extra gear. The thing, the metamorphosis that your brain has to go through to evolve past that. Gives you a, a sixth gear. It gives you something, you know, most people don't have that. That And I, you could see it when he got up off the ground. That kid got up. He got up when other people stayed down. And I'm not just talking about Deontay Wilder. But how many people stay down? A lot. Yeah. Although the vast, vast majority of human beings stay down in that position, whether they're in a ring or not. They find that time in their life and they lay down and they stay down and that's the end of the fight. And this guy gets back up and he keeps getting back up. You talked about his chin, his toughness, his resolve, his perseverance. He's got all those intangibles in spades too. It's just a hard guy to argue there was ever somebody better than. Yeah, and I mean... And then not for nothing as far as Don, Deontay Wilder goes. That's the only way you can beat Tyson Fury is with the Deontay Wilder game plan. Put him to sleep because there's no way, any other way in that ring, he's going to beat you. You're going to beat Fury. Mm. But uh, And that was the best best glimpse at that. And Tyson Fury just – It didn't work. Who's the, the guy? The bells were ringing. The wild. eyes rolled in the back of Tyson Fury's head and – <laughs> he sat up but uh all right but uh we, we got some great fights coming up tonight and we'll get into them but first let's hear a word from one of our sponsors come on out for a day of fun to the cove kids classic presented by clarity friday may 6 2022 at lyman orchards golf club to benefit the Cove Center for Grieving Children. Partnership opportunities are available. All proceeds from the Cove Kids Classic support the Cove's free programs. Please consider partnering with us to continue to support grieving children and teens in 2022 and beyond. For more information or questions, call Allison Gamber at 203-634-0500 or email allison at covect.org. The Cove Kids Classic takes place Friday, May 6th at Lyman Orchards Golf Club. Registration begins at 8 a.m. Shotguns start at 9 a.m. on the player course. Saturday Night Live from the Apex in Las Vegas. It's UFC on ESPN 35 featuring a bantamweight bout in the main event between Rob Font and Marlon Vera. Let's break it down. Rob Font is 34 years old. He's five foot eight with his 71 and a half inch reach and a record of 19 and five with eight knockouts and four submissions. From Leo Minster, Massachusetts, Font got a late start in MMA, taking up Muay Thai and Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in his late teens and becoming an amateur in 2009. He compiled a record of three and one before turning pro in 2011 with a first round armbar submission. He lost his second fight by decision, but then won his next nine, five by stoppage before making his UFC debut in 2014, knocking out George Roop with a perfectly timed counter-right cross. 
after knocking out Joey Gomez. He dropped a unanimous decision to John Lineker, but seven months later, he came back at the Ultimate Fighter Season 24 finale, dropping Matt Schnell with a knee to the jaw and finishing him with grounded pound. Next, he submitted Douglas DeAndrage with a guillotine choke, but was then submitted himself by Pedro Munoz. He bounced back quickly, knocking out Thomas Almeida with a head kick, but six months later was completely outclassed by Rafael the Sun Cow, losing by unanimous decision. He came back with dominant performances over Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simon, and in December of 2020 scored his most significant victory when he dropped Marlon Marias with an uppercut and finished him with grounded pound. On May 22nd, 2021, he took on former Bantamweight champion Cody Garbrandt, putting out an absolute masterclass, utilizing his jab and footwork to win a wide unanimous decision. However, seven months later, he was upset by a resurgent Jose Aldo, taking heavy damage en route to a surprisingly wide unanimous decision loss. One of the most dangerous strikers in the Bantamweight division, Font uses his exceptionally long reach to keep his opponents at a distance while landing 5.6 strikes per minute at a 44% accuracy rate. Marlon Vetta is 29 years old. He's 5'8 with a 70-inch reach and a record of 18-7-1 with seven knockouts and eight submissions. From Shone, Ecuador, he started training in Brazilian jiu-jitsu at the age of 16 and after a brief amateur career turned pro in February of 2012 with a first-round triangle choke. He quickly went 6-1-1 before joining the cast of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America where he competed on Team Verdun but was unable to compete in the semifinal due to a skin infection. He made his UFC debut in November of 2014 by losing a unanimous decision to fellow castmate Marco Beltran but bounced back nine months later earning his first performance of the night with a second-round triangle choke of Roman Salazar. After a decision loss to Davy Grant, he went on a three-fight winning streak including an R-bar of Brian Keller before dropping two in a row to John Lineker and Douglas DeAndrage. He came back strong with a second-round body shot knockout of Wulji Baroon and strung together another five-fight winning streak, including a rear-naked choke of Gaudio Canetti and a performance of the night third-round knockout of Andre Ewell before dropping unanimous decision to Song Yudong. On August 15, 2020, he defeated the up-and-coming Sugar Shane O'Malley, stopping him with ground pound after dropping him with a brutal calf kick. However, his next fight, he was outpointed by UFC legend Jose Aldo. In June of 2021, he avenged his loss to Davy Grant with a unanimous decision and five months later scored the biggest win of his career after an exciting back-and-forth brawl. He knocked out former lightweight champion Frankie Edgar with a savage front kick to the jaw. An elite-level grappler with an excellent ground game, Vera is also a highly technical striker who's able to switch stances as he applies constant pressure to his opponents. Will Font's technical striking and devastating power be enough to overwhelm Vera? Or will Chito's constant pressure and world-class wrestling skills given the edges both men continue to rise up to bantamweight rankings? Tune in Saturday night to UFC Font versus Vera, and let's find all right, Joe. Who's gonna come out victorious? Uh, it's gonna be Veta. Uh, I I just think that guy's got too many weapons in the toolbox, man. I think the way and here's my other thing. I like Rob Font. I think Rob Font's a really good fighter. Rob Font sometimes doesn't step up when he's got prime opportunities, and I think this is another one of those fights where Rob Font will underperform. Maybe he tries to kind of play it safe against Veta, but I think that guy's, he's just too skilled. I mean, he could drop you quick. 
and his submission game is strong. And I just got a feeling we've seen we've seen a lot of that. And yeah. I, I just feel like Font is going to get him arm bar or triangle choke or get the back. I, I just see Font tapping in this one. Also, I do got to point out Rob Font did miss weight by two and a half pounds. Yes, he did. Yeah. So. First time, by the way, in his career, he's missed weight. So. Yeah, but two and a half pounds. So it's not good. I'm not defending him. I'm just he's not a, he's not one of those chronic abusers. Yeah, he's not Apollo Costa. Hey, but I will say, I mean, with those chronic um, weight missers, Khabib was one of those, and now he's the greatest of all time. So. You can figure it out. Well, yeah, you either live and learn or you just become fat and lazy and you end up back at Bellator. Yeah. But uh, this fight, Jared, I know you hate the 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 missing weight, one of the biggest forms of cheating in all sports. Uh, but who you got winning tonight? Oh, I think I have to take fun. Um <clears throat> Never been stopped. And look, that's how that's how Vera wins fights, to be fair. He's got uh, a couple decisions as uh, uh, of late. Davey Grant. So two decisions are uh, two decision wins in his last 11 wins. 12, 13, 14 wins, two by decision. He knocks people out. Um, the only time Font's ever been stopped was a submission chokeout. So I don't know. I like Font as the better striker. Um, it was Pedro Munoz that choked out uh, Font, by the way. I think I like Rob Font. Uh, close fight, great fight. Keep your money away from this one, Rob Font. Just because I have to pick one. This is this is literally <laughs> one of those fights I would have stood clear of if if it hadn't been uh the main event. No, this one is this one is a tough one. But I'm with you, Joe. I'm, I'm gonna go Vera. I think Vera's in a situation here where he could uh kind of pull a little bit of the Charles Oliveira magic, learn a lot from his past losses and his struggles. And I think with Bantamweight, I mean I I'll being the way it is right now, we've seen vulnerability in, in Aljamain Sterling, in, in Peter Yan. Uh, I think right now someone like Vera, who's very, very well-rounded, can get his way in there and might even take the belt. I mean, you got also got a guy like TJ Dillashaw, a, a legend. I mean, a legend, but he's been he, – he might be getting a, a, a title shot. So, I mean, that shows you how, how rough this Bantamweight division is struggling. I mean – and Vera already put away a legend in his last fight, and Frankie Edgar. I think he can take care of business against the TJ Dillashaw. Or I, I think he can work his way into the, the title picture. And you never know with his, his ground game and how explosive he is. He can put anyone to sleep anyway. So, yeah, I, I like Vera. I think he can get his way into and maybe even win the title at Phantom. Who knows? I like that. Two to one. <laughs> I like that. I I do. I kind of agree with you, uh, Chase. I wow, that's a weird thing to say, uh, but yeah, you're definitely uh, onto something there. I I think when you've got those kind of skills, uh, it you can win fights. You can win a lot of fights. You can win fights that you're losing. 
You know, yeah. so I think that's a great skill to have. He's really good at it. This is going to be a great fight. I'm I'm very excited for the fight card tonight. I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, both these guys can bang at any. I mean, they'll throw hands. And, uh, I mean, Vera, he does have that, the ground game. So, I mean, he does have, I think he does have that ability to just end it whenever he wants if he needs to. But I think that they'll put on a show for, for us and I mean, everyone else watching but uh all right that's gonna do it for the ufc fights we're talking about now we got a big big women's boxing fight that i'm excited for this is this is my fight of the night this is this fight i'm most excited for katie taylor amanda serrano joe break it down undefeated katie taylor takes on amanda serrano with the wbc wba ibf and wbo world female lightweight titles on the line live from madison square garden in new york let's break it down amanda serrano was 33 years old she's 5'5 with a 66 and a half inch reach and a record of 42 one and one with 30 knockouts from Carolina, Puerto Rico, she moved with her family to Brooklyn, where at the age of 12, she developed a love for boxing after watching Felix Trinidad defeat Oscar De La Hoya. At 17, she began training with her sister, who was also a boxer, and won the Staten Island Amateur title before turning pro in March of 2009 with a majority decision. In her first two years, she went 11-0 with seven knockouts, then defeated Kimberly Connor by second-round knockout, to claim the vacant IBF super featherweight title. In April of 2012, she took on Frida Wahlberg for the WBC title, losing by unanimous decision, but bounced back later that year with a first-round knockout of Lena Tejada for the vacant intercontinental super featherweight belt, and then went on a four-fight winning streak before knocking out Maria Moderna in the sixth round to claim the WBO lightweight title. She then dropped down in weight, winning another five in a row before smashing Olivia Garula in one round for the vacant WBO featherweight title. She defended it twice, both by stoppage, before knocking out Alexandra Lazar for the junior featherweight belt. Two defenses followed before she also captured the vacant bantamweight title with an eighth-round TKO of Dahania Santana. In September of 2018, she moved all the way up to junior welterweight winning the vacant WBO title with a first-round blowout of Eva Voraberger. In September of 2019, she won the WBO and WBC featherweight belts with a decision over Heather Hardy, and after two defenses added the vacant IBO title in March of 2021 with a ninth-round knockout of Daniela Bermudez. She defended her unified titles once with a decision over Yamalith Mercado before moving up to lightweight and scoring a dominant decision over number five contender, Mariam Gutierrez. A heavy-handed southpaw, Serrano is a relentless pressure fighter who wears her opponents down with a withering body assault and possesses devastating one-punch knockout power in her left hand. Katie Taylor's 35 years old. She's 5'5 with a 65-inch reach and a record of 20-0 with six knockouts. From Bray, Ireland, Boxing was in her blood as her father was a light heavyweight contender and her mother was one of Ireland's first female referees. She began boxing at 12 years old and at 15 won the first officially sanctioned women's boxing matches in her native country. In an amateur career that saw her amass a record of 175 and 12, she won five consecutive gold medals at the Women's World Championships, six gold medals at the European Championships, 
and five at the EU Championships before taking home the gold at the 2012 Summer Olympics. After losing in the quarterfinals at the 2016 Olympics, she turned pro with a third-round knockout and in her second fight completely shut out Brazil's Vivian Obernoff. She followed those up with two more wins before knocking out Nina Menke in the seventh round to claim the WBA Intercontinental Lightweight title. And after knocking out Jasmine Clarkson, she won a unanimous decision over Ahani Sanchez to take the vacant WBL lightweight title. Two fights later, she picked up the IBF belt with a decision over Victoria Bustos. And after three straight title defenses, she took the WBO title off Rose Valenti via ninth round TKO. Just three months later, she made history by defeating Delphine Persone to become one of only eight boxers and the only female to unify a division by holding all four belts. After defending her titles against Christina Lerdato, she defeated Pearson a second time to cement her legacy. In November of 2020, she scored a wide unanimous decision over Spain's Miriam Gutierrez and six months later took on former Olympian Natasha Jones, digging deep to win an extremely close unanimous decision in an exciting back-and-forth slugfest. In September of 2021, she put on another electrifying performance against Jennifer Hahn, dropping her in the eighth with a short right hook and followed that up three months later with another wide unanimous decision over number two contender, Feruza Sharapova. The most decorated female fighter of all time, she possesses lightning fast footwork, a solid jab and powerful hook. She will also frustrate her opponents with her exceptional lateral movement. In an exciting matchup between the two most accomplished females in boxing history, will the relentless pressure and powerful body attack of Serrano be enough to dethrone the unified lightweight queen? Or will Taylor's fast hands and slick defense prove the difference as she continues to as the greatest female fighter of all time? Tune in Saturday night to Taylor versus Serrano, and let's find out. All right, Joe had to bounce. He's he had to he just had to leave. But uh for the record, his pick is Serrano by decision. And he's buying into the hype. I mean, I don't get I get it. A lot of people are. The Jake Paul, the, the, the Logan Paul, Jake Paul hype with Serrano. Yeah, sure, you can buy into that all you want. It's cool. But we're getting into the boxing ring. And there is this might Katie Taylor might be the most talked about boxer we on this show. Uh back with in the days when it was just you and me, I, I feel like she got brought up a couple times an episode, and now she always does. Katie Taylor's gonna win this fight. She's on another level. Amanda Serrano's tough, but I think this is perfect. I think this is going to be Katie Taylor's. Deontay Wilder. I think that it's going to be tough. A lot of people are going to, a lot of people are on the Amanda Serrano bandwagon. So I think they're, they're going to see it a little differently. I think Katie Taylor is going to dominate, but Amanda Serrano is going to win some rounds here and there. But I, I think that this will be a trilogy. And I mean, we've talked about it before, how you need that, that dance partner to push you to your limits, to really get into that break in, to the casual eye and get the real respect you deserve. And I think this is it for Katie Taylor. Amanda Serrano's tough. These are both at the top of the women's pound for pound list right now. Like this is going to be a great, great fight. But Katie Taylor, I mean, she her the only time she's really struggled. Pursuing 
her first fight against Persoon, the only judges scorecard she did not win because the judge scored her to draw. You couldn't even beat her. The draw was the only the only non-judges scorecard she won. You couldn't even win a judges scorecard against her. That being said, and then you got Jonas, which was another she looked look tough for, her, but that was because Jonas was bigger coming down. So I think now you got Amanda Serrano coming up. Against Katie Taylor, I think th- it's just no, the, not clicking. I think even just Katie Taylor, with the fact that she has been fighting people coming down, the bigger people, I, I think it's just going to be cakewalk along with I, – I don't want to say cakewalk because it's going to be tough. I think Katie Taylor is going to get it done just because fundamentally and just boxing-wise, as far as the sweet science goes – Lomachenko might be the only one better than Katie Taylor. That's that's a really good assessment, uh, and you took all my takes. Um, if Serrano was the size of Jonas, then we have a great, great fight here. But everybody Katie ever struggled with was a bit bigger than she was. Um, yeah. She's a bit bigger than Amanda. I don't see this being, hey, pop quiz, Jace, I'll give you the numbers. You tell me what they are. The score... 187 to 2. 187 to 2. Is that a Harlem Globetrotters game? It's the number of amateur fights for these two girls. Oh, geez. That makes sense. Sanctioned amateur fights. Katie Taylor was 175 and 12. Serrano went 2 and 0. Uh, one of these is the most decorated female fighters of all time, and I also have to give a shout out here. Let me make sure I get this uh, get this right. But there was a fighter I just loved that uh, she and she ended up getting clipped. She like got knocked out in one of her fights. Here it is, Frida Wahlberg. Oh yeah, Frida Wahlberg's the only person who ever beat Serrano, and um, and then her next fight. Diana Prezik knocked her out in the eighth round, brain hemorrhaging, just never fought again. She's 11 and one. And her 11th win was Serrano. And that one, she got just a punch changed her life. But uh, Wahlberg, she was a great fighter. And uh, I think this is the second loss for Serrano. I'll, I'll take Katie Taylor here. The way she moves, like it's, if it, like I said, Bigger girls she struggles with. This is not one of those. She'll be slipping the jab, countering. Yeah, and I, I mean, Serrano, like, if it just wasn't Katie Taylor, I think, I mean, we saw her come up against Miriam Gutierrez, the, the only common opponent between these two. I mean, she was great. I think anyone else, I think she would be great at this, at, at lightweight. But it, it's Katie Taylor. It's it's one of the best pure bo- – it's possibly the best pure boxer in the sport right now. So it's going to be tough with, with that size disadvantage. But I, I th- do think this is going – I really hope Amanda Serrano turns into the, the playmate with Katie Taylor that, that brings her to the – and makes it go into that Wilder Fury-esque type of – And I think it has to – these girls are tough. I don't see any knockouts coming. One of them's a little longer. This is going to be a great fight. This is this is the kind of fight women's boxing needs now too. With uh with everything that's going on, this is this yeah. is beautiful. I love that this is happening. 
and take Katie Taylor. Yeah, Katie Taylor. Hey, it sucks. Joe had Serrano. Uh, he could have been, been here, but, but he has to go. He has to go <clears throat> teach orientation at Connecticut's uh, World Broadcasting. So, all right. But we, we still get to hear his lovely voice talking about our next fight. The the junior featherweight or junior lightweight unification fight between Oscar Valdez and Shakur Stevens. WBC super featherweight champion Oscar Valdez and WBO champion Shakur Stevens in meet the unification bout on Saturday night. Let's break it down. Oscar Valdez is 31 years old. He's five foot six with a 66 inch reach and a record of 30 and 0 with 23 knockouts. From Nogales, Mexico, Valdez began his amateur career at 17 years old, winning the Youth World Boxing Championships the following year and going on to win amateur championships at the Pan Am Games as well as qualifying for the 2008 and 2012 Olympics, though he was eliminated in both semifinals. After compiling a record of 29-7, and he made his pro debut on November 3, 2012 with a third-round knockout of Angel Prada. In his first two years, he went 9-0 with nine knockouts, before winning the vacant NABF Super Featherweight belt, then won his next nine with seven knockouts before defeating Argentina's Matias Ruda via second-round TKO to claim the vacant WBO Featherweight title. After a seventh-round stoppage of Hiroshiage Asawa and decisions over Miguel Maraja and Genesis Sarvena, he took on former champion Scott Quigg in March of 2018. In a brutal back-and-forth slugfest that saw 1,509 punches thrown, Valdez was able to retain his title with a unanimous decision despite requiring his jaw to be wired shut after the bout. Following that fight, he left longtime coach Manny Robles for celebrated trainer Eddie Reynoso in an attempt to tighten up his defense and avoid the savage brawls that he'd been engaging in since becoming champion. He defended his belt twice more with a seventh-round stoppage over Carmine Tomasone and a unanimous decision over Jason Sanchez before moving up to super featherweight and scoring brutal knockouts over Adam Lopez and Jason Velez. He then challenged old amateur rival Miguel Burchelt for his WBC title, with the original date being pushed back two months after Burchelt contracted COVID-19. On February 20th, 2021, Valdez put on a clinic despite being a heavy underdog, dropping Burchelt in the fourth and tenth rounds before landing a thunderous walk-off counter left that left the champion unconscious for several minutes. Seven months later, he took on top contender Robson Conceição, and despite testing positive for PEDs, the fight was allowed to go on with Valdez taking over midway through the fight after a slow start to pull out a close and controversial decision. A hard-punching pressure fighter who boasts a 77% knockout rate, Valdez likes to wear his opponents down with a constant onslaught of body shots and uses a solid jab and excellent lateral movement to set up his huge left hook. Shakur Stevenson is 24 years old. He's 5'8 with a 68-inch reach and a record of 17-0 with nine knockouts. From Newark, New Jersey, he was taught to box at the age of five by his grandfather. A decorated amateur, Stevenson won the AIBA Youth World Championships and in 2016 won a silver medal at the Rio Olympics, losing in the final to Cuba's Robse Ramirez. After amassing an amateur record of 56-2, he signed with top rank in 2017 with Andre Ward as his manager and made his professional debut with a technical decision. After winning his first nine with five knockouts, 
He defeated Jesse Rosales via fourth-round TKO to win the vacant WBC Continental Featherweight title. After a third-round blowout of Alberto Guevara, he won a unanimous decision over Joel Gonzalez for the vacant WBO Featherweight belt. In June of 2020, he knocked out Felix Carballo with an uppercut to the body and followed that up with a unanimous decision over Taka Khan Clary. After a lackluster and heavily criticized decision over the unheralded Jeremiah Nakathalia, he had a career-defining victory when he put on a dominant virtuoso performance against Jamal Herring, giving the champion a thorough and brutal beating en route to a 10th-round stoppage to claim the WBO super featherweight title. One of the fastest rising stars in the sport, Stevenson is one of the most technically proficient fighters in boxing, possessing lightning-fast hands thrown from the southpaw stance and is a highly aggressive counterpuncher. Will the relentless pressure and powerful body attacks of Valdez be enough to overwhelm the young champion? Or will Stevenson's fast counters and slick style prove to be too much as he tries to stake his claim as one of the best in the sport? Tune in Saturday night for Valdez versus Stevenson, and let's find out. All right, let the record show. Joe has Stevenson by seventh-round stoppage, which is good because I feel like we kind of did Joe dirty last time Stevenson fought. We both talked him into picking Herrig. He, he, he said he had Shakur Stevenson, but we talked him into it. Uh, so... Yeah, I, I, but I mean, we, we weren't sold on Shakur Stevenson, but but he was dominant his last fight against Herring. So, are are you hopping on the the Stevenson train, or you gonna go with Valdez here, Jared? Oh, this is so hard for me. Listen, that plus six hundred, take that all day. This is a lot closer fight than that. Um, similar amateur records, both undefeated. I don't, I don't know how the seventh round knockout happens. Valdez has never been stopped. He fought Conceição in the amateurs and beat him. He fought uh, uh, Loma. Was it? He he lost uh, Lomachenko in the in the amateurs. This guy's never been stopped. So I don't, I I, I can't find him being knocked down. So the seventh round knockout doesn't make sense. Uh, Stevenson, on the other hand, lost three of his first five amateur fights. This is something he had to grow into. I really kind of feel like this is your Leonard Hagler type of fight. Where one of them's a lot prettier and you know him. And the other guy kind of worked his way to where he is and had to knock out Meg- Miguel Burchalt to get there. Um, which is as good as anybody Stevenson has beat. So all things taken into account, especially that line. I'm taking Oscar Valdez for the upset. Valdez shocks the world and shocks Shakur, shocks Stevenson. Damn. Yeah, still, Valdez. Still not the, sold. Yeah, still, still not, not sold, sold on Stevenson. I think it's a great fight, but I think he gets a, a workman-type performance from Oscar Valdez where he overwhelms him. He cuts off the ring um, you'll have to outbox this guy every round and win more of them to beat him. If Stevenson, if you take Stevenson, take it by decision. This Valdez kid is tough as nails. Yeah, I do think it will go to decision either way. Um, the 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 real thing that is holding me back, I'm going Stevenson by decision. The real thing that's holding me back here, I mean, they're just Stevenson looked dominant against a guy 
uh, a beast in Herring last his last fight. So I mean, I'm holding that in high regard. But uh, really, and also Valdez's last fight with Conseja. I mean, uh, watching that fight, I, I had it Conseja. A lot of people, a lot of people argued with it. He looked very, very vulnerable in your last fight. And and I'm just gonna go. I think when you got two guys that are at the top uh, and really, really, really good, I, I think sometimes you're just as good as your last fight. And Shakur Stevenson was dominant, was a lot more dominant than Oscar Valdez. So I, I, I it's tough. But uh, and also I, I going into that last fight with you taking Nakathila or Birchall? Nakathila or Birchall? You're taking Birchall in that fight, right? Yeah. Are you taking Robinson Casa or Jamel Herring? Herring. My contention is Val. Ah, not I. My contention is Valdez has, has fought the slightly tougher guys. And has the slightly better amateur career, and that I, I yeah, uh, the best I can come up with for a comparison is Sugar Ray Leonard and Marvin Hagler, where where you got blue collar, white collar guys here, and when those get in the ring together, every now and again you have the uh, you have the workmen. Uh, you're yeah. just gonna get outworked. Volume punching. Shakur is gonna be too cute, a little too cute, and lose more rounds than he wins. Okay. I, I also, I also the, the part of the reason why I'm picking Stevenson here is because I pro, I made a promise to myself hey, if he beat Herrick, I, I was gonna hi, I hop on the hype train. I, I don't even I, I might even said that on the show, but I so. uh so I, I the, that's where it is. I, I like Valdez. I think this is gonna be a tough. I, I think this could also turn into like a trilogy fight. Like we we can see like a draw. I I, I wouldn't be. Surprised there's a draw. I, mean, I think we we will come into next next week. I think there will be some debate on how, how this is ruled because I think this is going to the judges' score scorecard. And I mean, it feels like every every boxing match nowadays, it's is if it goes to the judges, someone's upset somewhere about something the judge did. So. But I think that this one will have actual, like, I think both these guys will, will this will be a show. This will be a show tonight. I did so many good fights tonight. It's, it's exciting. I'm excited. But, uh. Five bucks wins a hundred on the draw. Done and done. Good idea, Jace. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> hey, th th this, if, if any fight. I, I think out of any of those fights that we have tonight, if it could end in a draw, I think it would be this one. Yep. Oh, yeah. Okay. And, hey, to be fair, I've made three will-go-to-overtime bets in basketball and won two of them. That's literally not a bet I make too often because it's so outrageous. But this is, yeah, exactly the type of fight where you could end up with something like that. Yeah. That could be a draw. All right. But uh, all right, that that's gonna do it as far as the fights go. But uh, Jared, you wanna close out the show? Hit us with that flip. 
So last week I talked about how I believe autism is evolution. And uh, usually I have some brilliant idea like that. I Google a few things and disprove it and move on. That's not, not what's happened here. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about vision and the evolution of the eye. Our vision is better than it used to be. As human beings, we're able to see more vivid colors than we used to because uh, like Joe said last week, now we pillage, we, we forage through the grocery store where the colors are different, um, not as dull and bland. Um, so our eyes have adapted. All of us are able to see more vivid colors than human beings were in the past. Now, when nature's making that adjustment, there's a downside to it. And the downside is color blindness. Some people come up colorblind. That's an evolutionary thing. Um, did you know that during the wars, we used colorblind people to differentiate certain forms of camouflage because colorblind people can see things that other people aren't able to see. This is nature figuring it all out. That's what's happened to our eyes. And if you plug autism, low functioning, high functioning, all of that stuff back into evolution and run it parallel to what's happened to our vision, you'll find the same thing, similar characteristics. Looks like evolution to me. And uh, somebody needs to remind the scientists and doctors that are working on this that in the city of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. There, just, if, you, if, you, if you take a high-functioning autistic and try to troubleshoot it, you're toning down memory, numbers, and technology, and turning up social interaction, and that makes me wonder what world you think these kids are going to be growing up in. Thanks. Throwing jabs, always full send. Here we go again. Jared, Joe, and Jay's Clover Crest, top three corner men, punching in with a punch's chance. We find a way to win. The main event, lock it in. Every Saturday at 10, the overhand is out of hand. When it comes to fisticuffs, slide a hand on the undercard. You'll never see the punch. Uppercut, got you missing wave. Feet are stepping late. Keep your guard up, feeling faint from a faint. Take a stand and eight, then retaliate. Put up your duke, stick and move. Bob and wave, don't lose hope against the ropes. There's always an escape. Never stay down. One more round, bells ringing, counter punch with your chin tucked and go down swinging we bringing crosses with no worship hooks with no verses combinations with no locks when you feel the flurry it's curtains from scrub scraps to fight stats relax if you want the facts because the best combat podcast is throwing jabs My name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.